Welcome to the Breaking Through in Cybersecurity Marketing podcast, where we explore the hottest topics in cyber marketing, interview experts, and help you become a better cybersecurity marketer. Hello, and welcome to another episode of Breaking Through in Cybersecurity Marketing. I'm one of your hosts, Gianna, and with me is the amazing... Maria Velasquez. Oh, so she has a last name today. (laughs) And we are so excited to have our friend and guest, Joshua Gonzalez, joining us. Joshua is the media producer at Beyond Identity. Thank you so much for being on with us today. Thank you so much for having me. I'm a huge fan of the show. So this is like actually really exciting. I'm a little starstruck. Oh, stop it. Where do I sign my autograph? (laughs) (laughs) You put it in the chat. (laughs) Well, we're a little starstruck too, Joshua, because we happen to know that you spent 10 years as an actor before joining Beyond Identity. I did. I have a kind of like an unconventional path to where I'm at right now. I went to school, got a BFA in theater performance, and I moved to New York to be an actor where I did a lot of theater, some tours of some shows, some shows at regional houses, Shakespeare off Broadway, and some film and TV and commercials as well to pay the bills because theater doesn't pay. Yeah. I don't know anything about that, but I believe you. Cybersecurity marketing sure pays the bills. (laughs) It does. It's nice right now. (laughs) So before we get into how you got into cybersecurity marketing, I want to know a few more things about your acting. Like if we looked up some movies or some commercials or TV shows, would we see you in the background of any or acting in any? Yeah, you would see me in, in a few things. One thing that I do know that keeps airing all the time is I did do a like Mysteries at the Museum on Travel Channel. <gasps> and they keep airing it and people keep sending me photos of their TV and like, oh my gosh, you're on my TV screen right now. And it's just That's like a reenactment so cool. show way back in the day. What were you reenacting? I was reenacting, I can't remember his name right now, but he was one of the people involved in the Manhattan Project. And like I was playing him and like they were like talking about how he stole the documents. That's so cool. That was your first security role then. Kind Ooh, of. I think so. <laughs> See, and now it was just meant to be. It was meant to be. <laughs> Full circle. We need to introduce you to Alyssa Knight. She's quite a famous well, ex-hacker, now turned cybersecurity content creator, producer, evangelist. And she's doing some really cool films, actually, about cybersecurity, about her story. Some pretty awesome stuff. Oh, my gosh. I can't wait. Make sure to send me her info after this. I can't wait to look her up. Will do. That we brings will. both your worlds together in one place, yes. which is pretty awesome. I'm just such a curious person, but what was your favorite acting gig you ever did? My favorite acting gig I've ever done was, well, doing Shakespeare here in the city off-Broadway was a dream come true. I'm a huge, huge, huge Shakespeare fan. And not only was it Shakespeare, but it was my favorite Shakespeare play, Midsummer Night's Dream. And I've done the show like four times now. And that time I actually got to play one of the like four main lover roles, which is based on my type, I hadn't ever gotten to play like that kind of leading man role before. And so that was very exciting, very fun. There was a lot of cool immersive aspects of that production where we were like feeding the audience during the entire show and dancing around with them and around them. There was a lot going on and it was very fun. 
That's awesome. That's amazing. We're going to look up videos or pictures. What year was that? That was in 2019. Okay. We're going to look up videos. I'll send it to you. Okay. We're going to put in the show notes, actually. We're going to make it so that like a bunch more people are like, Joshua, I saw you in uh, in this museum. You're on my TV. (laughs) (laughs) My my friend sent me a video of you. (laughs) So Joshua, let's fast forward now to today, cybersecurity marketing. How much of your creative, artistic, and actor skill set and passion is actually incorporated in your day-to-day as a cybersecurity marketer today? Sure. I would say a lot. (laughs) A lot more than you would think that I think even my company and my team would have thought when I first got hired. But now when I'm making content, I'm thinking like, how do I tell this story? How do I make a piece of content that has characters in it and they go on some sort of journey and maybe my company's product helps them on that journey and then maybe they overcome some sort of challenge with my company's product and end up better for it at the end of the story. And so I do a lot of script writing and a lot of filming and I'm on camera a lot for some of these like video content pieces. And I'm just so thankful that I'm still able to use all those skills and that those skills seem to be valuable for my company. So I have a job. That's really neat. Is that how you usually structure all of your storytelling? You start with, okay, what's the character? What's the plot? And then how does the product fit in that journey? If you were to put it in a template, what would be the five steps or six steps? Oh, for sure. I mean, this is storytelling 101, the hero's journey. So feel free to Google it. All of your favorite shows and movies and things follow the same format where, you know, you have the main character, the hero, and something about their life has changed in the beginning of this piece of content. Then they have to kind of work through this change, maybe face some challenges along the way. There's different type of like character archetypes. Maybe they'll run into like an old wise man who's like, here, take this product and maybe it will help you out. (laughs) And then they take the product and they're like, I don't know, I'm not sure about this. And then they use the product and they're like, oh, wait, this does help me with my problem. And then, oh, so glad I found this product. My whole journey is now good and my life is great again. (laughs) That old wise man sounds like every cybersecurity compliance regulation out there. (laughs) (laughs) Do you either worry about or do you lean into like that because it's a cyber products company that you work at, right? And all of us work at that it could be maybe seen as corny. How do you navigate that? Because we are telling a story about a product and it's not a Broadway play. It's a product. So first, I'm more worried about my job, especially like I also manage the social media for my company. So my job is to first get attention. Like that is my job is attention. So honestly, if corny is what gets attention, then I'm going with corny. But I have a little more leeway to kind of play within all the scale of what is corny, what is not corny. Sometimes we do do really corny things and we wink at it and we lean into it. Mm -hmm. Sometimes we, to combat the corniness, we play it very earnestly. And if we can play something so earnestly, then the audience hopefully will kind of actually be on the side of the character and like actually not feel like it's corny they'll actually kind of hopefully the goal is for them to fall for the character and like be rooting for them and I think a big part of being okay with some corn here and there (laughs) is I find a lot of b2b 
marketing boring, to put it bluntly. And sometimes it has to be. And sometimes boring is good. And sometimes boring is great. But I think people, even if it is corny, really appreciate sometimes when B2B marketing is not boring. Right. Like, And also, I'd like to point out this is the most we've used the word corn in an episode so (laughs) far. So five corns out of five for us. But (laughs) corny is still humor, isn't it? Right. It's still different and it's still popping out. It's better to be corny and interesting and attention grabbing than not able to have fun poked at you, but Mm -hmm. just like fading into the background. Yeah. And I will say that is something that I think also my past really helps me with. I am used to being in front of everyone kind of like doing something wacky or doing something different or doing something crazy. And I have that feature turned off where like, I don't care what people think. And I think that really helps. Like, it's okay if I'm corny. I don't mind if people think I'm corny. So Joshua, do you have a test audience for some of the things that you produce before you publish? What I mean is, do you have cybersecurity practitioners at Beyond that work there that you show them sort of the content and kind of get their first impression on it? Yes. My team is really, really wonderful about not only one, putting up with my antics, two, encouraging them, but also three, keeping me on the rails for not only (laughs) our company's goals, but also what will work in the marketplace. And so typically my direct supervisor, who is incredible and like really fosters my work and really keeps me on the rails, will approve scripts that I write and I kind of will go through with him the storyboard and the idea. Sometimes it's really hard to see the final vision. So sometimes he is like, I'm not quite sure. Yes, maybe we'll try it. Or like, yes, this one. So then once it's done, I do have the whole team look at it and look at it from you know different perspectives. Look at it from their perspective. If they were to stumble upon this piece of content in the wild. And then also from our persona's perspective. Like, oh, what do we think these people might think of it? And then sometimes there are edits and sometimes they're like, maybe there should be some edits, but let's push the envelope a little bit and just release it as is. So that's kind of the process we go through. Love that. That's so good. I thought of that because I once went to a, what I thought was going to be a live recording of the Jimmy Fallon show, but it actually ended up being just the test audience where he tests his jokes that he's going to do that same day live. He tests it on a live audience. And if it actually resonates, people laugh, then the jokes make it. If they don't, then they X them. And that concept is actually really cool. I don't think a lot of us in cybersecurity marketing have that luxury, but wouldn't it be nice if we can test our content on our prospects, (laughs) see if Mm -hmm. it's going to work. So the process of explaining and pitching and convincing and storyboarding, because this is a visual medium, right? Mm -hmm. Video and like Mm -hmm. internet and that. How are you able to, as best as you can, explain what the vision is? You said, you know, sometimes people don't get it. Are there any tips to help others who want to pitch a story or a video to their bosses and audiences? That is an incredible question. And I think something that is so important and the best thing that I can advise for for that is to find references for pieces that are as close to 
what project you're doing. So for instance, if I do a music video, I'm like picturing it like this and I'll find like another music video that's very similar. We're going to do it in this style, this era, this type of thing. Recently, I pitched another video I won't say what it is. We were filming it later. But it was also like I had to find a TV show. And I was like, oh, it's like an episode of this particular TV show. And it kind of goes through these same procedural things. And so then the person's able to be like, oh, okay, I I kind of get the tone, which is important. And Mm -hmm. I kind of get how we're going to play with the tone to be like marketing. And I get whether or not we're going to take it super serious and earnest or whether we're going to kind of make it a parody and a wink of like, this is a funny marketing video. So references helps everyone in the process. Where do you get your inspiration? Is it mainly from these references or where else in the world do you like, because this is like cybersecurity products, but to make them interesting, you have to, they can't just be, this is our product, you know, like what other sort of things inspire you? Sure. A lot of it comes from my brain. My brain does not stop having (laughs) ideas. So there is that. And I've spent a long part of my life making work and devising work. And so my brain is just constantly making ideas. But I will say, I always think about what is going on in the culture and the zeitgeist, either in this moment or kind of like a little bit of nostalgia play. Because I know like my personas, they're usually going to be of a certain age range. And so I'm like, what do those people like nostalgically? Oh, they like this show from 2002. What were episodes of that show like? Can I like make a parody on that. Or I kind of think about if I were a CISO at work and I kept getting cold emails, what would I rather be watching instead? Or like, what would I rather be listening to instead? And I kind of go from there. And now we'd like to take a moment to thank our sponsors and producers, Hacker Valley Media. Chris Cochran and Ron Eddings run an amazing studio here, which produces not only the Breaking Through in Cybersecurity Marketing podcast, but a bunch of other shows that you're going to want to listen to as well. So all these shows plus more, and then on top of that, probably even more coming soon, are available to look at, listen to, and sponsor at HackerValley.com. Make sure you go over there and say, hey, Gianna and Maria said I should come check out your website, listen to your shows, and uh, sponsor a podcast or two. What are some things that you've learned on that point? Like, what are the shows that inspire your content based on what you know security practitioners actually like to watch outside of work? I think of kind of like cult favorites. So there have been, I did an office type parody from The Office because, you know, everyone loves The Office and especially like the older crowd. We remember that show very fondly. I like that you bucketed us into the older crowd. I bucketed myself into the older crowd. Okay. No, you're right though. I, we do all I, like I'm The old. Office I'm here. Old. <laughs> Gianna's not old. Gianna's such a baby, but I'm the old one Oh, here. I saw The Office when it came out. Sorry, Joshua. Go ahead. <laughs> and then I also look at like, well, one of my ideas that we may be doing is from Buffy the Vampire Slayer. <gasps> Because I'm like, oh, that was kind of a little bit... I do a lot of music videos. So when I'm thinking of, you know, I kind of go to late 90s, early 2000s hits to kind of get inspiration for those. 90s is worth that. <laughs> <laughs> See? See? 
you sent us some examples of some of the work you've done, which of course we're going to put in the show notes too, of course, for Mm -hmm. anyone who wants to see. You've done some really creative stuff. You've done that like music videos. You did this hilarious passwordless day video that was very similar to The Office, actually. It reminded me of that. What are some of the favorite projects you've worked on at Beyond Identity? Definitely that passwordless day one is one of my favorites. Can you explain it to the listeners? Sure. Yeah, great. So it follows SDR Joshua. I think he's an SDR. I don't remember. And he loves passwords and he's so excited for password day that's coming up. However, his company just switched to Beyond Identity. And Beyond Identity, we are the world's strongest passwordless phishing resistant MFA. So there's no passwords. Very good, by the way. Thank you. Thank you. Get that pitch in there for Beyond Identity. And so his company switches to Beyond Identity and he's so unsure and he's lost in his life now because he doesn't have passwords and he loved passwords. And he's like, I don't know about this. But then he uses Beyond Identity and he's like, oh, wait. Maybe this is better. Maybe this is great. Maybe this is the new thing for me. And so at the very end, we see him on the next day, May 6th, he is celebrating World Passwordless Day because he's now like, oh, passwordless is the way to go. Love that. That's awesome. How did you integrate that in with the broader marketing machine at Beyond Identity? Did you guys do anything else beyond the video? Did you distribute it different places? Like, did you create a World Passwordless Day? Like, what else? That was our very first step into creating World Passwordless Day, which we now kind of have done. And so prepare for bigger and better in 2023. But we did have a whole campaign over why are we still celebrating World Password Day? Let's move on past this. Passwords are weak. They're insecure. We need to get rid of them. And so we did a few different press opportunities and a few other posts all surrounding that week of, hey... Let's stop celebrating this because passwords are bad. Tell us about some of the feedback you got from that video once it was out in the world. What's awesome about this piece of content is that it doesn't necessarily sell our product so hard and people are delighted to see something like fun and different. And so we get people outside of our company, outside of our immediate network, sharing it all over. So that's also so exciting to see. Sometimes as a social media manager, it's hard because I don't know where all it's being shared to. And, you know, the whole dark social world, it's hard to keep track of. But I keep getting comments. I keep getting messages and like Slack people will be like, oh, my whole company shared this video out and it's so good. Great job. Or like, oh, I just had a meeting with so-and-so and they said that they found us through this music video. Or like, oh, so-and-so is sharing this music video around the company and they just booked a demo. And so it's really exciting to see that people appreciate this content that breaks up the normal feed that they're used to. That's so cool. I know attribution would be difficult for this type of content, but when you can actually hear it as an anecdote, qualitative feedback, That's so cool. And I think that's also a testament to the fact that security practitioners are so stressed. They have so much pressure at work that they are actually hungry for light, fun content like this, even if it's indirectly selling them some kind of product, which is, you know, that's the goal. But hey, if you put a smile on their face on a really stressful Monday, that's literally much better than a demo request, even though. 
from a demand gen perspective. I'd still like the demo request. <laughs> Smile <laughs> is not going to get me <laughs> that revenue. That is so true, Maria. And I will say I'm so new to tech world and cybersecurity world and a bigger marketing corporate machine. And I just all the time feel like I see marketers or I see campaigns forgetting that the people that they are trying to reach are humans, are people. And so if you can really make them feel something, especially if it's a good feeling and unexpected or just a little bit of fun, have them feel that feeling. I want them to associate my company with that feeling like, oh, that company made me feel great that day. Like, oh, it's that company. Oh, it's that guy in that video again. I have to watch it. That's what we want. That is so on point with the keynote we had at Cyber Marketing Con this year, yep. which was Nathan Burke, the CMO of Axonius, talking about emotion and emotion being a motivator and being a builder for your brand. They have just started this, not to take this away, but they just started launching films. They're doing films with Simone Biles and Amy Bream, who are both athletes, and they're letting them direct their own films using Axonius as a platform. And the main emotion is, of course, like inspiration and overcoming obstacles. So tying emotion to the brand. Joshua, like when you're working with your counterparts in the marketing department at Beyond Identity, who do you interface with like the most? Is it mostly like the man gen or do you have a strong connection with the brand team too? Or how is it all kind of milieu together? We are a very small team, but we produce a lot of content. It's kind of crazy. I will say I've never worked with a team this efficient, this awesome at working together. It's truly a dream team. So most of us are under the umbrella of, we were demand gen, but we recently just changed a little bit, a little pivot to call ourselves revenue marketing. <gasps> Ooh, like, revenue marketing. Fancy. Yeah. And I'm offended. Fancy. You have something against demand gen, <laughs> Joshua? <laughs> well, <laughs> demand is great, but revenue is better. That's right. Oh, right? I, I love know. that. That's how I feel. <laughs> Maria, are you going to get a new title now? <laughs> Hell yeah, I am. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> and so we have a director who was director of digital marketing, but now he's director of integrated marketing. He really helps put us all together. And then there is our content, an SEO person and another content person under her and then our designer. And it's really that core team that puts out a lot of the content. So there's like one, two, three, four, five of us that really do the content all around. But since we are so collaborative, they all really help a lot, especially in like having eyes on the script or the, or the content to be like, yeah, this works. Yeah, this doesn't. And also providing whatever kind of technical aspects we want to focus on for a particular piece of content or campaign that we're running at the time. They kind of take care of that. And I translate it into a different medium. How many mediums are you working on since you're the director of social also, right? Like that's social is part of your role mm -hmm. as a media producer. How are you thinking about platforms and channels too? Because you're both like creating the content and now it has to like go places. Like yeah. how are you like strategizing on that? Because it can become a little like overwhelming in my experience. Yes, it can definitely be overwhelming, but I would much rather be overwhelmed and underwhelmed when it comes to content, you know, like you always want to be putting out so much content. So I try to make it as easy as possible on me whenever I can to kind of like post content across all channels and kind of reuse content. So 
we're primarily LinkedIn focus and Twitter focus. Since we have been doing so much more video lately, we have also bolstered our YouTube. We also, since I joined, I brought us on board with our podcast, which we are also doing and pumping out across all audio channels and on YouTube as well. And we have stepped foot into TikTok and we will be bolstering that in 2023. Today, I literally spent an hour to two hours learning how to use Premiere Pro's auto AI to like automatically do horizontal videos into like nine by 16 vertical videos, which is amazing. So I'm really excited to be able to like pump those out from our content that we already have so much easier and faster now. It's a button or something, right? Is Mm -hmm. it easy? It's like click a button or you still have to do like a lot of work. It's almost just click a button. It's really (sighs) easy. Like what would have taken me, you know, like 30 minutes could now take me five to 10 or like five, really. There's no way it could take 10 to do a little short vertical video. Joshua, without giving away too much of your secret strategy for TikTok, what are some things you're definitely going to do on TikTok? Oh, I am unsure yet. We try a lot and we kind of have tried some things that have done well, but we're like, do we really want to be doing them? Like kind of like more trendy type things. We have done super educational things that some have done well, some have not. You know, we're still trying to find our way there. I'm excited to see now that we have so much video content that we've really put out in the last two quarters, how that will perform on TikTok as a vertical video. Hmm. Before we get into our last segment of our show, which is our game, hoping to just get one more like thought from you on, you went from being an actor, like the most Mm -hmm. creative thing on the planet, to then going into a marketing job, but not just any SaaS B2B marketing job, but a cybersecurity Mm -hmm. marketing job. Do you have like maybe one major thing that you've either learned or one major piece of advice you can give other people, other creatives who are looking to sort of go into that corporate space? The advice that I really want to give is not necessarily for the creative, but for the company. I will say, I know I am incredibly lucky and incredibly fortunate to have my team, but especially my direct supervisor, who really understood the importance of content, the importance of video content, and the importance of trying new things that not everyone was doing. He also really understands giving the creative person room to ideate, room to create, room to breathe, room to have that brainstorm time. And Every single company needs to get on board with that if they want to be successful in the future. Video content and like higher creative content and higher quality content are becoming the norm and are the norm and will continue to grow in the future. And so companies now need to find those creatives that they can bring on board and train up and and understand what they need to do, but they have to give them the room to be creative and the room to breathe and ideate and think and not bog them down with operational tasks and not bog them down with adhering to the status quo just because it's the status quo. So that is my advice to companies. And my advice to creatives would be, I guess, find a company that gets it. <laughs> And like a manager that will do those things. That's awesome. That's great advice for companies, especially because there's a little bit of a downturn now. People are more stressed. There's like more pressure to put out 
to create, to do, there's more pressure to be on this like running treadmill to keep up with what we all need to do and creatives and creative tasks to make high quality creative work. You need to be able to think about it. Mm-hmm. And that requires time. And if you don't have any freaking free time in your day, like how are you going to think of something great? Mm-hmm. You're just going to go back to the old template because yep. it's easy. Oh my gosh. So Joshua, we're on to our last part of the show. We're going to ask you. So this is a game and you're going to be the I judge. I love the game. Is it okay. the same game? It's the same game. Okay, great. We are going to guess what you would be doing if you weren't in cybersecurity marketing, content, what you're doing now. And if you weren't mm-hmm. an actor either, because that doesn't count. That would be cheating, Maria. So who wants to go first? You go first. Because every time I went first, I lost. So I think I'm going to just switch things around a little bit. Okay. So Joshua, you are like really nice and really, I could tell like a very helpful person also with your advice and the things that you've said. You are a people person and you would do an amazing job raising oodles of bank for a very like important nonprofit. Maria, your turn. I actually think you'd be in the medical and healthcare industry, either an awesome nurse, a doctor, or like a therapist. So healthcare. (laughs) Who's right? I am going to give it to Maria, I think. I think I'm going to give it to Maria. And here's why. So I've worked with nonprofit, of course, nonprofit theaters. I've worked with them. I have at a period of time done a little bit of like on the development side of a nonprofit theater, like as a money job for a second. And I don't want to do that again. I mean, it's great. And it's fun. And the people who do it are amazing. One of my best friends is incredible at it. I don't know if I can go back to the nonprofit world. I could be a doctor. Neither of us got this right at all. Because you're just like, I don't know, like whatever. Doctor, sure. Okay, so what would you be doing, Joshua? I mean, it is kind of close to what I do and what I have done. But I guess I've never really done it full force. But if I wasn't doing this, I think I would be a writer. I actually have a book that is coming out March 7th, 2023. Oh my gosh. What? Yeah. That's amazing. When Maria said doctor in my head, I was like, shit, should have said writer. Like, (gasps) no way. Darn it. What's your book? So this one is a memoir. My first one is a memoir. Oh my God. That's a legit book. I know. Right. Look at it. There's like pages and like other authors read it and like wrote nice quotes about it for the back of (gasps) the cover. What Joshua, struck now. Joshua, oh my God, where do people get your book? Oh, you can get it everywhere that books are sold, on, online at least. So Amazon, Barnes & Noble Press, Kobo, Apple, Google, all the places. You can buy the ebook, you can buy Amazon paperback, hardback, Barnes & Noble, all kinds of editions, all kinds of everything. Oh, and also the audiobook. I mean, I haven't recorded it yet, but the audiobook is also available. That's amazing. You have a podcast too, don't you? I do have a podcast. I haven't released an episode in like a year, but we are planning to bring it back for 2023 with a book. It's called Keep Sweet, the Positive World Podcast, where we go into some positive news and just like trying thoughts with awesome people doing awesome things in the world. There are some really great guests that I've had who are doing awesome things and I love them. So yeah. That's awesome. All of those links will be in the show notes. Joshua, thank you so much for being on the show with us. 
Thank you so much for having me. Again, I love the show so much. It feels weird, like I'm undeserving because I've only been in the cybersecurity marketing industry for like 10 months, but I'm so glad that you have me on. Thank you so much. Yeah, thank you for joining us. This was so good. If you want to be on the next episode of Breaking Through in Cybersecurity Marketing, send us an email at podcasts with an S at hackervalley.com. And I think you should rate us with 10 out of 10 corns. And we'll see you next week (laughs) on Wednesday. Thanks for listening, everyone. 